This episode of Faces and Feels podcast is brought to you by Pario. Pario Magazine is a bi-monthly physical print magazine highlighting individuals with a desire to create. The latest issue of Pario Magazine is a special Aussie wrestling edition focusing on the heroes behind the scenes. Find Pario online at www.pariomagazine.com.au. What it is, what's up, and welcome everyone to Faces and Feels. I'm your host, Rafe Houston, and today I am joined by a very special guest. It is the one, the only, the hardcore giant, the man known as Ron Nemi. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great. I love that intro music. What, what is that? Uh, that's a, a band that me and some friends did called the Thunder Vipers. So we did like a, a couple of tracks, like, you know, Southern rock kind of upbeat stuff. I'll send you a link. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. That was really cool. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I've been, I've been fired up for this one. Oh, that's great. Like I was just saying to you off mic, Ron's, I think, one of the only people that's messaged me before I've messaged them, like, where you go for today? So I'm super pumped to speak to you. You're one of my favorite voices uh, when it comes to commentary. And I was so pumped to hear the news that you were coming back to ICW. Uh, I know you had a bit of a break, but man, uh, like I love the struggles more than most people in this world, but I was missing not having you by your side. Struggles is awesome. And even when I took the uh, little break from ICW, no holds barred, I was still, you know, still dealing with expect the unexpected with, mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about cool shows and on the cutting edge of what's going on and, you know, I don't think I'm letting any big secrets out of the bag, but that's struggles, baby, and it's it's good stuff. And I get to call the matches. Uh, instead of with him, I get to call the matches with Jesse, which is a lot of fun. We have just incredible chemistry for – there's a huge age difference between me and struggles and Jesse, uh, but these guys just get it. They yeah. love pro wrestling. They love pop culture, uh, and they're just fun to be around, so – to be tied in with both of those guys with ICW No Holds Barred and Expect the Unexpected, I feel pretty spoiled for this point in my career. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm sure both guys, well, I, I know I've spoken to both guys and they've said exactly the same thing about you. They said, like, with a, a veteran like you by their side, it's just a layup, you know? And the, the combination of what you bring in color commentary and them together, it's just awesome, man. So, yeah, I just want to thank you for doing such a great job because it makes our watching so much more enjoyable. Before we get into, like, the whole rundown of your career, let's just rewind all the way back to the start like I, I always do. I like to ask people, when you think back to when you first uh, became interested in professional wrestling, what were some of the first, you know, big faces that stood out to you and caught your attention? Uh, I, I was at my grandma's one night. I, was, I stayed at my grandma and grandpa's a lot in the seventies when I was, you know, just coming up and one night after coming back from, I don't even know where we were, but this show was on, it was a late night deal and it was all star wrestling, which was, it was, it was basically a, a late night house show of the AWA. And I got to see Nick Bockwinkle as an AWA world heavyweight champion. I was, I think I would have been 11 or 12 years old. Yeah. So it was around 81, 81 82 time frame and I you know Bobby the Brain Heenan and, and the High Flyers Jim Brunzel and Greg Gagne uh, it was just unbelievable and from the second I saw it 
especially Nick Bockwinkel as the uh, AWA World Heavyweight Champion. To me, uh, when I think of a world champion and what they're supposed to look like and how they're supposed to carry themselves, I'll always reference Nick Bockwinkel. And to have Bobby the Brain Heenan, who's the greatest wrestling manager in the history of wrestling, as his manager at the time, from the second I saw those guys, I was hooked. I couldn't get enough. Uh, and all we got at the time was the AWA. So unless I was reading in the magazines, uh, the NWA and everything else worldwide was just totally foreign. I couldn't believe that there was this whole world. And from that point forward, I was hooked. I was obsessed. And I would like to tell you that I you know, made the decision. I wasn't getting involved at that time. But growing up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, right, you know, a few hours from Canada, the idea that I would ever do anything other than work in an iron ore mine, let alone break into professional wrestling. Uh, you know, I'm only five, six now. So I was a little, I was a little, little dude. I was never going to be a wrestler yeah. and I was never going to leave uh, the middle of nowhere that I grew up. So the idea that I was able to then chase that dream from, you know, when I joined the air force in 1989 and they got me out of there and dropped me in Tampa, yeah. the heartland. I mean, the, the, you want to talk about wrestling history. The Florida Territory, there is no better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Now, that that's crazy. Um, Tell me a little bit about the geography as we, we sort of play this out because obviously your accent really stands out to me and it's always been really striking. I didn't I didn't realise because I'm so bad at geography. But uh, that probably explains the accent to me a little bit because it, it is a bit Canadian, right? Like you guys are right up there. Like Yeah, I was like – I grew up about 10 hours north of Detroit. Uh-huh. I, you know, like if, if you put in football terms – uh, where I grew up, people were Green Bay Packer fans. We were only three hours from Green Bay, Wisconsin, right. and we were ten hours from Detroit. But we were we were about three hours. There's a city in Michigan called Sault Ste. Marie, uh-huh. and there's a bridge that goes across over to Canada. And on the other side of that bridge, it's Sault Ste. Marie, Canada. Right. So you have sister cities okay. on on each end of the bridge. So oh. I grew up. I mean, I saw. I sound far more fucking Canadian than any Michigan person. I mean, it's, it's, we always used to call people that grew up in lower Michigan, which is underneath the Mackinac bridge. Uh-huh. We used to always refer to them as trolls because they <laughs> live. We were, we, I, we always prided ourselves. We're the real Michigan. Yeah. And there was always a movement to break the two off instead of the upper peninsula and the lower peninsula. There was always a movement to break it off where the Upper Peninsula was their own state, but Michigan wouldn't be shit, you know, without being able to claim the Upper Peninsula. So that's home for me, and that's where my accent comes from. Yeah, wow. And so how old are you when you enlist in the military? 19. I went in in 1989. Okay. Uh, I did eight years active duty, of course. Uh, And my wife did too, and she's still a fucking knockout. Just killer, beautiful, professional woman that... uh, that I was lucky enough to find here in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I came from the Upper Peninsula, Michigan. They brought me here. Uh, I, I started chasing wrestling the second I got here, and then I met her a few years later. And it's we, you know, we were gone for a while in Georgia, and I just kept doing my base operations as far as wrestling has always been Tampa, no matter where I've been located. Uh, we were gone about seven or eight years, and we came back, and and I'm, I mean. This is the place to be. You know, I, I get to rub shoulders with guys like Brian Blair and Steve Kern. And, I mean, the, the list is endless, you know, of, of so many stars have came out of this area, but so many 
current stars relocate here because Tampa's, you know, no state tax in Florida. Tampa International Airport's the fucking greatest airport you could ever get in or out of. And we're not only, you know, surrounded by these current stars, all the legends from Hulk Hogan to Jerry Briscoe to fucking, you name it, they're here in Tampa. Um, and they dropped me here in 89 as a 19-year-old. I didn't have a fucking stripe on my sleeve. I had no, no rank yeah. whatsoever. And they dropped me here, and all I did was chase my dream, and I followed Malenko School of Wrestling and the Sportatorium, which uh, the trainer at the time was Jimmy Del Rey. At the time was Jim Backlund, mm-hmm. uh, and Mark Starr assisted with a lot of that, and I just they couldn't get rid of me. I just kept coming back. I was so hungry. I was too small to wrestle. I was way too small to even be a ref, but I could always talk and I could take an insane beating. I've always, I've always bragged. My best offense is my defense. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I can take so much punishment and they like that and they beat the shit out of me and they stretch me and fuck me up. Uh, But that's the guys I came up under right from the very beginning. I was aligned with the top guys in Florida. Yeah, wow. And so you were getting in the ring, you were taking bumps, you were like learning stuff, but they... But they yeah, I can still bump, yeah. I just don't want to, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, and my my brain isn't wired to uh, either call it in the ring, which is the claim the fame for old school guys, you know, we'll walk and talk, we'll call it in there, you know, apologize on the way out. I, I wasn't capable of that, but the way matches are laid out now, spot for spot, segment for spec, you know, just going on for... I would I would have a nervous breakdown before we ever even locked up, and who even fucking locks up anymore? They're hitting a DDT to start a match. <laughs> Destroy us straight out the gate. Yeah, right out the fucking get go. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, um, so you start becoming uh, a part of the organization, then, right? Like you said, you you've ingratiated yourself. You're becoming part of it. So, are you like? Uh, doing commentary immediately or are you like an on-camera person no. or what? I, was, I was a heel manager for a long ah, time cool. and, and, and yeah and really established myself as such throughout florida but then you know jersey all pro combat zone wrestling I, you name it we we traveled we went to puerto rico me and the shane brothers went down there together uh for carlos cologne wow. uh, we went to the tour of the cayman islands we were lucky enough to go to texas with uh, marty Janetti had some uh, money mark on the hook at the time that was bringing in his friends and yeah. Marty liked us a lot at the time. So it, I had about 20 years as, as a real involved heavy duty, getting a lot of press and all the other shit as a heel manager. Wow. Uh, but, but once I, once I got in the commentary end, which really I used to commentate my own shows, uh, but it was done as like a voiceover and it was acknowledged as such, but like I might be voicing over a match that I'm at ringside and I, I didn't, I really didn't like it. But when uh, the Shane brothers and MVP and a few of these other guys got into WB and deep South wrestling, uh, you know, that was a developmental territory under Jody Hamilton at the time. And Bill DeMott was the main trainer. Yeah. Uh, The Shane brothers brought me there and Bill DeMott immediately took a liking to me. And I got a lot of opportunities to call a lot of matches of guys that are, you know, from Kofi to the Miz to yeah, I mean, all of them wow. that came up under that. Uh, you know, I was calling matches with Max Stryker, uh, my old buddy Nigel Sherrod. Uh, but for whatever reason, Jody Hamilton never, I, I don't know what it was, but he just didn't like my shit. Yeah. 
And uh, I finally one day asked him if he was going to do anything more with me. He told me no, and I said, then I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, and it was a great experience, but I realized at the time I was, I was good at commentary, especially color, because yeah. uh, I can reference anything at any time, and I can talk for hours, whether it's about wrestling, music, pop culture, uh, fucking girls, you know, I don't care, sports, whatever it is, I can talk about it. Uh, if you want to talk about uh, poetry, I'm, I'm not the guy to talk to at all, or ballet or, or any of that. Even then, you I know, kind of feel like you could spin that into a story for another time. And I, would, I would make it my own, yeah. But anybody that knew anything about that subject would know I'm full of shit. And, and, and you know, I got to spend years on the indies with uh, easily the best commentator in professional wrestling. Uh, as far as the indies, and I think, forget about the indie side, Lenny Leonard is one of the best ever, period. Yeah. And, and I got to call so many shows with him for FIP and Evolve, uh, even some with Shine, because uh, all of wow. that was under the WWN banner with Sal, uh, who's an old friend of mine. And, be, you know, thanks to him, when he sold Evolve to the WWE, uh, you know, I never quite made it, but all I know is I was able to show my kids Evolve shows on the WWE network with me and Lenny standing in the ring doing intros and then doing our commentary. So... Like I said, I didn't get to walk the aisle, but I, I don't know. I don't know anybody I grew up with that's on the WWE network, but I was fucking there. Yeah, that's huge, man. That's such a like enormous career, like to still be going and to still be at the top of independent wrestling as well. You know, I think we'll we'll, we'll backtrack into some of the craziest stories later if we can. But uh, but where were you when you were asked about ICW No Holds Barred? Danny was really really involved heavily. Uh, from the inception of GCW and we've always talked, we've always compared notes. We've always bounced ideas off of each other. And Danny was always high on bringing me in as a commentator and fought it. Uh, I don't even know why it was a fight, yeah. but he fought and fought and just couldn't get me in there. And then next thing you know, he's out too. Uh, and he finally decided, you know, after I think it was like a year of just, that wasn't a good year for him at all. And it was, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's bullshit. And he shouldn't have been put through it. But he decided to take the reins of ICW and turn it into ICW No Holds Barred and reached out. And I said, yeah, I'll fucking be there. And it was, uh, I think it was the Deathmatch Horror deal was the first weekend. Yeah. And the, the improvised pit broke out out of nowhere because of weather and the bloodshed yeah. and all it. It was just like the stars were aligned, and that was my debut when me and Struggles fucking Grand Slam. I've never met this kid before. Uh, he's insanely straight-laced. He's about the most deadpan, serious, just fucking... He's business. Yeah. He's business. But I'll, I, I'm, and I'm 100% the opposite. Yeah. Even though I am... Let's all be... Everybody should understand that this is business, too. But when I say something... Good luck finding, whether it's these silly stories I tell about growing up or serious heavy-duty shit about wrestling or, or personal life, good luck finding anything that can prove otherwise because nine times out of ten, it's a complete truth or it's a version of the truth that I want you to fucking know that probably it wouldn't make you feel any better about me if you knew the total truth. So I, I, I like to... I like to spin things where people get it and they feel like they're part of something and they're inside because uh, 
you know, without Danny, I'm on, I, I'm still doing some stuff, but not the level of what I should be doing. And he brought me in and uh, I'm not the easiest person to deal with. He's even less easy to deal with. And while he's like a fucking brother to me, there's going to be disagreements. And in any family, you're going to have that problem. But uh, some things weren't going quite the way I wanted them to. Uh, I took a seat on the bench. Didn't mean I didn't support them any more than I did. Yeah. Uh, he fixed those issues, and I'm going back, and I'm going to fucking kill it. I can't wait to get back there. I can't wait. I can't wait to see Danny. Yeah, exactly. It, it, and it's always going to be like that with passionate people, right? Like, you yeah. know, everybody's – that's what makes it work and what makes it good is because people are willing to fight – for, for their idea of the thing and what they want it to be because they want it to be the best possible thing. So it's not surprising to hear that occasionally there'll be disagreements like that because that makes it better, you know? Because if you just go, yeah, cool, and, like, don't care and don't voice up about it, then the, the product isn't going to be the, the best it can be, you know? And then I you want, guys are friends and you work it out. Like, it's fine. I want creative people to do what, what they do best, but, you know, at the end of the day... Uh, it's Danny's show. Uh, you know, I'm very lucky to be there. Uh, I've been doing this for, uh, it's 31 years now. I, I broke in in August of 91. I've never, ever had the reception that I've had. I've been in front of very, very big crowds. I've traveled internationally. I've done stuff I'd love to brag about. But the truth is, when I walk into a building for, for Danny, uh, everybody, from the workers to the staff to the fans, everybody treats me like I matter there. And it, make, it means more than I could ever uh, put into words. My wife knows what it does for me. Uh, my shoot job, they know uh, this is what keeps me going. Uh, and, and truthfully, I'll never, I will never fucking, I won't even say retire because that's embarrassing. I have a shoot job. Uh, I have a good life because of it. I'm able to pursue wrestling because people are willing to pay for me, but I don't have to make a ton. Yeah. So, you know, it, it gives a lot of opportunity, but I fucking love wrestling. Yeah. And, and Danny has put me on a stage that I have never felt the love or the attention that I get. Even the announcement that I was coming back, I could, I literally couldn't believe uh, the reaction to it. it I, I'm probably one of my pro, you know, probably one of my proudest moments. It really was. It, it's it's really special what you bring. Like, if anybody hasn't heard Ron before or, or watched an ICW No Holds Barred show, I can't stress enough, like, how great a time it is. Like, from the moment the show begins, like, I'm always just so pumped, you know. It starts with the ring and Danny's in the ring and all that stuff. And then you and Struggles are just such a great combination for me. But you're, you're in particular, like... Uh, I know the way you you really emphasize moves and and things like that, like and like how brutal things are, and then the funny stories and all that stuff. It just uh, like it just takes you guys to the, like this extra place that I really enjoy. You know what I mean? And you can tell that you guys, the entire team, are having a great time. Like it always it feels like the show I want to be at most. You know. Well, that, that's my whole goal is like, not only are you not there, you're not even in the country here with us, you know, yeah. but I want you to feel like you're sitting next to me. Yeah. That, that, that's my whole goal. And, and this isn't some, I'm not some master showman. I don't have, I, I have no education when it comes to 
uh, performing or this or that. But I, again, th- this may sound cliche. I truly fucking love wrestling. Yeah. And uh, I don't want notes beforehand. I don't want finishes. I don't want whatever. I want to see what the fuck you guys are seeing and tell you how I'm seeing and how it feels to yes. be sitting there live because truthfully to try to, I'm going to use, I, I, I'm very biased, but when cruel comes to the ring and when he's in there doing what he's doing and then when he's leaving, it is a totally different fucking energy. And, and these people are watching a horror movie, but they fucking love it. And they're rooting for the bad guy. Yeah. That's cruel. He's yeah. real. Yeah. It's totally real. He nearly got fucking killed on his debut in Port Ritchie here. Yeah. I, I'm 100% responsible for anything good or bad that happens with him. He's the one that's doing it. But I took it very seriously when it looked like his arm was... It was. It looked like it was going to fall off yes. of his body. Yeah. You dropped the mic. Horrifying. I remember seeing you. Like you were just gone from commentary. I remember you seeing that. I, I could ran see the over concern. to him. I yeah. couldn't believe what yeah. was happening. Yeah. I was so scared. Yeah. You know. And when I say I'm responsible, I'm not taking credit. That guy's. He, he isn't just family to me. His wife is family to my wife. Yeah. You know, the kids don't know each other, but we know our kids. You yeah. know, it's so to see that happen. It was. It was. It went from one of the proudest moments uh, because that he was a very hard sell, uh, not only for Danny, uh, but for IWTV. They were talking about some Haas fight, and the first person I pitched was Logan. And I'm looking at these names that they were at the time pitching. I'm going, are you guys fucking kidding me? He he's six foot nine with model good looks and can fucking go. Yeah. He can wrestle or he can brawl, and now we know he can do the deathmatch shit. MLW is doing some good stuff with him now, too. Yeah, and I have been. Poor Bauer's not my biggest supporter, and rightfully so, because I've been a pain in his ass for a long time. <laughs> but, hey, man, he's got a fucking, with with Hammerstone and Jacob and Cruel, that, that's a that's a big-time triple threat as far as I'm concerned for main guys. But, huge. I mean... They got to give Cruel some fucking wins there, too. Hey, Court Bauer, if you're listening, the heel can't go under every fucking time and the people take him seriously. So let's go. <laughs> let's go. Uh, when I had Cruel on the show, it was such an interesting conversation. And he did mention you and we talked about your guys' friendship. Um, but we, we talked about that moment, you know, when he got injured. And I'd be really interested to get your take on it because we – we agree that in some way, like, it was his debut. And though that was a really bad thing that happened, it happened in the best possible way at the best possible time. And he said he wouldn't change it. And I, I think I personally sort of agree because the way we looked at it is, like, when you enter deathmatch wrestling, there's, like, a certain amount of, I guess, credibility that is required, whatever that may be, right? And he comes in on a horror story show as a, a masked wrestler, real Jason Voorhees, you know, Mike Myers vibes mm-hmm. and stuff. Then he goes through an absolute war. It was a banger match that yeah. I think if had it had gone to plan, would have still been really good. But the fact that mm-hmm. that injury happened shot him into the stratosphere. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's to somebody that people were Star making performance. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was unfortunate what happened. And, and, and again, the, the venue, uh, my old, you know, 
Heath Schneider was uh, the owner of that venue. Unfortunately, we lost Heath to yeah. COVID, which, you know, I don't even want to get into all that shit, but yeah. we were able to do that show and we were able to get Logan finally. And, and, and I got to give credit where credit's due. I wish I could tell you I have some magical ability and influence over Danny, but I pushed for a year for, for Cruel to get in. It was Tank that endorsed him and, and told Danny, you need to give this guy a look. Yeah, wow. And he comes in for that match and him and Satsu are just, just fucking going. It was so crazy. And the setting, it looked like Escape from New York. I yeah. love the whole thing. I love it. I and, love the pawn shop. Oh, and then that we find out that that fucking glass pane, what, I mean, it, it looked like his arm was yeah, going to. It did. And then he just like doesn't even break character, just leaves he, the ring a, in fucking thing and just yeah. made the legend of cruel right there and then, you know? And like, hey, yeah, it was he, unbelievable. He's the same way. And uh, if you go with him after a show to the bar and, and literally it's like a movie, the needle just rags across the record and every girl in the place, I swear to you, <laughs> they come to him. He's still just total total complete no sell like that's expected that's how it goes he's a fucking star he's finally being recognized for it you know i i was talking about doing all those evolve and fip shows you know logan back when he was logan creed he was under that banner with acw and doing a little bit of fip how the fuck gabe missed the star quality the 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 I mean, just to me, he's just money. I, I said to I him, I'm it. like, I don't know how you're not the fucking WWE champion. Like, I don't, I don't know how everybody has missed you. Like, this he, he's so good looking, dude. Yeah, under the mask was crazy. Like, I was like, this is a handsome know, But he dude. was right there. He was right there. Gabe was 100% aware of him. He was working on the uh, underneath shows in WWN. Yeah. His wife's a fucking knockout. At the time, was just... The two of them as an act was just money, but whatever, you know, everybody, I, who, who would I be to be immature enough to question the eye of, of Gabe because the amount of careers that he's helped skyrocket over the last 20 years, I, I other than Paul Heyman, I can't think of anybody else has done it, but he missed it with Logan. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a that's a ball drop for sure, but I'm glad to see him finally get an issue, and it just goes on and on, and like like I say, debuts perfect show with this crazy injury that could have been so bad but was like bad enough to look super terrible but then he was like it was basically okay the next day like it was it was just crazy and i, I just wish him all the success in the world because what an absolute professional that man is yeah yeah he's he's gonna kill it and and i have a lot invested in him as far as time and energy and stuff but really is more personal. I mean, if I could ever just live vicariously through him uh, at the next level. And MLW, again, it's, as far as I'm concerned, that is the next level, but there's still a couple more levels. Yeah, there's a couple you know? little tears there and, like, uh, the Absolutely. right and conversation, the right eyes. Of, he deserves to make, he, you know, that next level. Yeah. MLW is taking care of him, and the fans are supporting him and everything, but guys like him they deserve to be given the opportunities and the exposure that, that they've earned as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, 100%. Yo, let me stop you right there. I just need to holler at everybody and tell them about NordVPN. 
This service has been a bit of a game changer for me, man. Not only are they one of the first services, you know, to believe in me and to believe in this podcast, which is pretty amazing, but it's also been great to like pick up my internet access and throw it around the world. I've been able to access all the streaming services. I've been able to check out different shopping sites. It's keeping me safe and sound on the internet and protecting all of my important data. It's been pretty damn awesome. So if you want to give it a chance for yourself, if you want to try it out, if you want to get amongst the glory that is NordVPN, just go to nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan and at one additional month for free. Uh, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, which is pretty sweet. So yeah, nordvpn.com feels and use the code feels. Now let's get back to the interview. Before we jump into ETU, because that's the, the future, and I really want to talk to you about what's coming up with New History, but I want to rewind a little bit into because we briefly rushed over some of like the crazier things you've done when you are on the move and stuff. So I wanted to dig in some of those stories. So you mentioned Marty Janetti of all people has some dude paying for people to go and wrestle in a place. Run me through that story a little bit because that that interests me as to what what's happening. Yeah, Marty had some. Uh, money mark hooked in Houston mm-hmm. it was and uh, he brought me and the Shanes in uh, the Shanes were public enemy and I managed them so public enemy was the baby faces and the Shane brothers were the heel tag with me as a heel manager and we just went out there and you had it was a bunch of old WWF WCW ECW guys so mm-hmm. it, they're going through the cookie cutter going through the mo- motions nobody doing anything special and the Shane brothers came out there along with me. We're like, well, fucking, we wanted to do everything. Yeah. You know, we here's our opportunity. You know, this fucking guy is loaded. Who knows who's watching? Because every time at the, you know, at that point, anytime a real true money mark showed up, uh, the main offices knew what was going on because if they were really a threat, they would just steal away the real talent. Like kind of when Jimmy Hart did the XWF and all that shit. Same thing as that. So we went out there, had fun. It was great. We partied. Uh, Shane's had an okay match with Public Enemy, and everything was cool, and that was the end. There was never another show. But it was just wild being around. Like Marty is is um, everything you've ever read or heard, he's, he's that guy. And it's, it's just wild to be around him, you know, good or bad. It d- depends on each person's situation. But he took care of us, and he got us flown out to Houston, and big payday as far as we were concerned as indie guys, and yeah. uh, had a match with a name act like Public Enemy, and we are gone. We didn't know if it was going to result in something or not, and it didn't. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the road of, you know, any independent wrestler must be, is littered with stories like that, right? Like oh. potential opportunities that come to naught, but you you're going to go through whatever you can to like make it work. Well, the, the biggest thing I've ever done as far as paydays or what it was supposed to mean easily was uh, calling the world wrestling legends pay-per-view. I called the whole show with Lance Russell and Jim Cornette wow. and uh, Corey Macklin sat in for a, a, a couple matches and it was Jimmy Hart and Brian Nobbs, and and I think it was Greg the Hammer Valentine had this guy on the hook here in Tampa, 
and uh, they put together. It was it was called World Wrestling Legends 605: The Reunion. So anybody here in the states that had any sense of wrestling or wrestling history would have thought that meant it was a like WCW Saturday Night Reunion show, and it was this fucking insane. I, I don't have it in front of me, but look it up. The the matchups were just wacko, and it was like. Vampiro and Bruno Sammartino were on the wow. same show. Yeah, it was. Well, you guys said they were wrestling each other. <laughs> Where do you look it up? And Bobby the Brain Heenan, on, I think, was with the Armstrongs, like Bob, Brian, and Brad, or something. It was, it was just crazy. And it was uh, my buddy uh, Frankie was Kim Chi with Kamala, and I think he might have wrestled Jake Roberts, or I, I don't remember, but it was crazy. But here I am for three hours calling an entire pay-per-view out of the Hard Rock in uh, Orlando Yeah. with Lance Russell, who's good luck finding a more legendary commentator, yeah. and fucking Jim Cornette. That's... You know, and I got to do that. But it, it still seems like a crazy, like, non-believable story. But it's easy to find on YouTube. Is, and is it's this easy it to here? World Wrestling Legends six oh five the yeah. reunion March fifth two thousand and six. So yeah, that was that was it. Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Nikolai Volkov with the Iron Sheik. Yes. With uh, Iron Sheik couldn't even get in the ring at the time. <laughs> he was fucked up. Like his body was destroyed. Oh, uh, read Rick, some of that other. Read some of the other. Yeah, ones. yeah. Let's run. Let's run through them. Uh, Rick Steiner versus Mister Jones. Yeah, that's Virgil. That's Virgil. <laughs> yeah, okay. Why? Vincent. Why would they book that? Why would they book that? And why would they call him? You know, he was Soul Train Jones back early in his Memphis career. Right before he was uh, before he was Virgil. So he's Mister Jones. Okay. Then we've got Coco Beware versus Disco Inferno. Who wants to see that? Match? <laughs> I was about to say, why do you book that? <laughs> what? Who? Who? Oh, speaking of. Of matches that I'm not sure I'd want to see. Superfly Jimmy Snooker versus Greg the Hammer Valentine with Jimmy Hart. You can't imagine they were in their prime at this time. How much can Jimmy Hart cover for those two at that time? Seriously. Was he and just I love Jimmy. All over I was the place. On the show. Hey, biggest payday I've ever had in my career ever was on that show still to this day. Yeah, that's huge. Then we've got... But you got to look, look at the rest of that garbage. Yeah, yeah. So it was we'll... the most... Who else we got? We'll run through them all. Then we've got Eddie Cologne with Carlos Cologne. Eddie Cologne is yeah. Primo versus Vampiro. Yeah. Carlos was actually there. Oh, my God. The next one. Jake the Snake Roberts versus Kamala with yeah, Friday. My buddy Frank, oh. Yeah, my buddy Frankie was uh, Kim Chi in that match <laughs> and took all the bumps. He did all the work for him, mate. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then we've got... Dory Funk Jr. and Mike Graham with Bruno Sammartino versus Tully Blanchard, David Flair with J.J. Dillon. What is that? What? Who in the world would book that? Did you hear the names you just read? Yes. David <laughs> Flair? Tully Blanchard? There was all of them. What all the of them. Why, why are those managers managing those people? Too? Why is Bruno Sammartino <laughs> just hanging out with Dory Funk Jr. and Mike Graham? Yeah. What? Yeah. That would be the WWF champion and the NWA champion, not guys involved in a six-man and two managers. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is so random. And then the I think this is – oh, no, it's not even the headliner. 
Uh, then we've got Diamond Dallas Page versus Canyon. Now that had to be a banger. They loved each other, right? Like, that's what. That's when Canyon did because this was supposed to be on pay per view. Yeah. This was this was when Canyon came out was on that show. Right. Okay. But yep, nobody. Yep. But nobody saw it. Right. It, it, that that was supposed to be a really major moment. They talk about that on Dark Side of the Ring, right? How yeah, they like, didn't any, and, they didn't get any of the clearances on the paper. I called a pay per view that nobody could buy. Oh man! And then we've <laughs> then we've got the Armstrong family, Bullet Bob Scott and Brad Armstrong with Bobby Heenan versus the Midnight Express, Loverboy Dennis Condry, Beautiful Bobby Eden, and Sweet Stan Lane with Jim Cornette. See that at least I don't know why Bobby Heenan's involved because I love him, but he don't belong in that match. That's no. all Southern tag team and Southern fucking managers. Yeah, Bobby Heenan should have just been like a guest that they came out and had a cut promo. But so, what a weird show! That's like a hundred people the, in that match. Yeah, I called the whole. I called the whole thing, the whole show. Everybody else would like pop in and pop out. Yeah. So I was with Lance Russell the majority of the time. Jim Cornetta, good part. Corey Macklin, and I think somebody else was in there. Right. And but yeah, that was. Can you believe that? That is nuts. And then there's <clears> one last match. Buff Bagwell versus Scott Steiner. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Yeah. Who wants to see this? This is insane. What a crazy yeah, show. Were you just calling it like, I can't believe I'm here right now. This is like some kind of I never dream. stopped talking because they're, they're, it was so ridiculous that nobody really could make it make sense. So I just kept going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Let them like work some moves like you've just got to keep talking no, and keep the people in no, nobody into, there could do anything nobody could do and, moves yeah and, and Cornette was nice enough to let me just go but yeah it's it's all you got to look it up it's 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 so bad it's good type shit oh i'm gonna have to watch it but that that is a crazy thing and so yeah you called the entire pay-per-view and it never ended up going live no no, it was they had no clearance whatsoever. This guy just figured he'd t- he would film it and it somehow showed up out there for people to buy and it was it was a total train wreck. But it was a lot of fun and I got paid a lot of money, so oh, that makes for a good story. Yeah, exactly. At least you got reimbursed and it would have been yeah. absolutely crazy. Like you can be like, I called the Iron Sheik, like <laughs> I called, <laughs> called Kamala and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and uh, you know It was wild. Cool. But we were backstage, and I'm looking, I'm going, is that Bruno San Martino? You know, I, like, yeah. I'm not a fan, but... You have to. Good luck being the bigger world yeah. champion, you know, I mean, as far as historically. And I'm going, what's he doing? And they laid it out to me, and I said, that's the craziest shit I've ever heard. Yeah. You know, and then I started looking at what other people were doing, and I'm like, okay, well... Nobody has a clue what's going on no, at all. This guy and, just booked and, what he wanted to see. Like, he was oh, just like, I just want to put them all together. Yeah. Yeah, but it was fun. It was a cool experience. Just another one of many completely, ex- you know, insane experiences. <laughs> uh, well, let, let's uh, let's run into a few more because I feel like you, your career is absolutely unbelievable. You mentioned Europe. You said that you toured through uh, Europe or, or went uh, overseas. What was that for? For me, it wasn't Europe. I, I was oh, lucky enough to go to Puerto Rico oh. and I went to the Cayman Islands myself. But what, what really was my biggest claim to fame was if you were one of my guys – 
uh, you were you were going, whether it was Japan, uh, England, Puerto Rico, China. Uh, a lot of the guys got to go to China, and it was just you know. You might not have made a lot of money with me. I made no money, and I thought that the whole, the whole stage that I was creating was meant to get those that deserved it to the next level. Whether it was at the time it was ECW, WCW, and WWE, yeah. you know, or WWF. That's what we were chasing, and I just figured enough, enough noise, and you know, we'd go. Uh, I also at the time carefully created and crafted. Uh, the the image of a completely fucking out of control, drunk, crazy nutcase uh, that everybody liked to be around, but nobody wanted to hire. You know, and I I did that for years. I everybody that wanted to party party came down and worked for me in Tampa, St. Pete, Crystal River, wherever wherever we were. Uh-huh. We ran everybody that's ever done anything would say like from the I don't know. Like, 98 to 2003, 2004, uh, if you came to Florida, whether you were CM Punk, Coke, Cabana, fucking uh, Teddy Hart, uh, Jack, you know, what the hell is Jack? His his partner, Jack Evans. Yeah. All of Matt Seidel. Uh, if you came to Chris Saban, Sanjay Dutt, Ruckus, Homicide, on a Milano Collection AT, if you came to Florida as an indie guy in those years, it was through me. Yeah. Whether it was through IPW Hardcore Wrestling or NWA Florida and so-and-so, I like to bring down acts that, like when Mike Quackenbush and Reckless Youth came down here for their first time, uh, people couldn't believe what the fuck they were seeing. They didn't <laughs> understand. You know. And then at the same time, at the Malenko School of Wrestling, I had Tony Mamaluke, Jeremy Lopez, Chad Collier, uh, Jet Jaguar, uh, Shark Boy was affiliated with those guys. So I had this just this fucking insane next level of talent just available. And the Shane brothers were part of that class too. They just happened to be three hundred twenty pound identical twins, you know. <laughs> so I would bring in the Twiggy Ramirez's, Don Montoya. But just everybody. If you were over Trent Acid, Johnny Cashmere, Nick Burke, Z-Bar, uh, every, everybody. If you were a hardcore guy, tag guy, cruiser guy, heavyweight, Justice Payne, Nick Gage, uh, those guys, Nick, I think, was an 18 or 19-year-old, and his brother was a year or two older, and they were my tag champs. I brought them in along with the hit squad. Yeah. And then the Shames ended up being the Jersey All-Pro tag champs. It was. I've always tried to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on. But I'm going to ask you, like, you know, you're the one doing the interview, but I'm asking you, have you ever seen the level and the amount of just over-the-top fucking talent as there is on the indies right now? It's it's completely nuts, like, and... It's nuts. I, I, I'm, I'm still sort of relatively new to independent wrestling, so my, my sort of history is I grew up, you know, uh, in a small... It's a smaller city um, north of here. Uh, and I, you know, got exposed to WWF through, you know, VHS tapes and stuff at my local video store. Nobody else knew or cared about wrestling, but, but like me. And so I used to like watch it with my dad and I used to get the magazines and, you know, it's Attitude Era and watching all of that. Uh, and then when I moved to Perth, I had a, a couple of friends that were into it. And then like university happened and 
uh, a band happened and I did that for like 10 years and I sort of fell off it. I'd kind of keep, you know, apprised of it, but I was right out of it. And it wasn't until all that stuff sort of finished up. Um, I was with uh, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and we were flicking through channels and we kind of stumbled across Monday Night Raw and it was like Seth Rollins was in there now with Randy Orton. He was going to curb stomp through a cinder block or something like that. And I was like, oh, I used to love wrestling. And she was like, yeah, we used to watch it too. And so we started watching Raw, right? But at that point, now podcasts and stuff exist. So then now I'm like listening to things and I'm learning about the business and I'm learning what Ring of Honor is and I'm learning what New Japan is and I start doing that. And then, so then my my focus on WWE completely shifts because now I'm not really interested in the kind of work that they do there. I'm more interested in that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when I discovered IWTV uh, through the struggle show, actually listening to thing, um, uh, podcasts, I found out about GCW. I had become exposed to death matches in, in Japan when traveling there, I'd gone to like a big Japan show and was like, what the hell's this? And I was looking for interviews like with deathmatch guys from GCW, like Jimmy Lloyd and stuff, and found the struggle show randomly. And then I found out what IWTV was, just as it had gone from Powerbomb TV or whatever to IWTV. And then I became aware of the independence of what they really were, you know. And in the time that I've been watching it, it just it's unbelievable how much talent there is. And I feel IWTV has like a lot to do with that because it's given There's so much. Yeah, everybody a platform. Yeah, exactly. And it's completely nuts. You I I like the idea that, you know, I don't gain anything by this. I I probably should. But what what IWTV is doing and the fact that people are exposed to the fact there's so much fucking good wrestling out there, man. There's so much. There's a lot of the modern stuff that you know, I'm not a follow the leader type ever. I've never have. You know, my, I grew up on a, a weird mix of, of of pure wrestling, but a fascination with the violence. So, yeah. I was never following the ECW model. I was I was just doing what I was doing parallel to that at a much smaller level. Uh-huh. But right now. Uh, if you just ran a pure just wrestling show and you wanted to bring a little something that everybody would like, whether it's tags, girls, uh, hardcore, pure wrestling, there's so much talent, you know, and, and it wasn't that long ago that there was only one homicide. There was only one uh, reckless youth. There was only one AJ Styles, you know, there, there, there wasn't just like, 10 if there was a major ring of honor show anywhere in the country or say jersey all pro or even farther back like ecwa and then combat zone if they were running major shows anybody tuned into the independent world knew exactly who what where everybody that was on that show and there wasn't a lot of uh i guess marquee indie talent left if you were to try to book a, a show opposite of them now, there could be 50 shows on any Friday or Saturday night and be loaded. Yeah, you see, Just like, when loaded. IWTV drops, they're like, this weekend on IWTV, and you're like, what am I even going to fucking watch? Because there is, like, so much stuff, you know? It's literally crazy. There was a crazy. show on, or a match on uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver the other night that was, like, a six-man that 
you could have split up that entire match and still had a very, very, very expensive show of singles match. Yeah, yeah, just run it as a card. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. It was just one match, and I'm going, are, are you guys robbing banks or, or, or you know, yeah. doing you the Blackjack and Kendall Wyndham counterfeit money gimmick? Or, yeah. I, I, if I brought in one name on a show back in the day, just one, whether it was from, from Abdullah to goddamn Tommy Rogers or Marty Jannetty or whoever, I mean, I was breaking the bank yeah. to break in. Tickets better be selling or yeah. we're in trouble, yeah. you know? And I see these lineups and I'm going, uh, I, I don't understand. If you sell out the building, how do you not lose money? But yeah. whatever. Well, that, know, I mean, I mean, that's, that's the benefit of like the internet and social media and IWTV. Whereas like you mm-hmm. had like for people to get to a certain level, you know, um, I imagine for you, they had to have been on TV or gained a reputation over a certain amount of years. Now people can be stars in like three, six months. You know what I mean? The right yeah. social media presence, the right uh, shows on IWTV promotions can ju- jump up out of nowhere. Look at Deathmatch down out of, nowhere. Out, of, out of Australia. They chose to like debut on IWTV and put together a solid show. And then now it's one of the more, popular shows that appears on uh, on uh, IWTV and nobody had seen these guys before, you know, outside of Australia and they're all stars. People like Callan Butcher is, you know, going to be in King of the Death Matches and Joel Bateman came to, you know, uh, did two-week tour in America and was like, <laughs> he was the American Deathmatch champion for like 24 hours, you know, like yeah. it's crazy. He's cool. He's I love that the coolest. Guy. Really, like, good. yeah, he's a very good friend of mine, uh, and deserves everything in the world because he puts good karma in the world and loves wrestling, you know. And and they yeah, see that. He and really it's does. Just so exciting. I think he's convinced that I. I think that he has convinced himself. I call those matches while I'm sleeping somehow. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't quite get the rib, but it's good, and he hasn't let it go. He <sighs> just constantly uh, uh, insinuates that I'm sleeping through these matches, but I, I don't think I am. You know, hey, I was going to ask you, yeah. have you ever done any research on Jim Barnett's WCW over in Australia from back in the day? Have you ever done that? No. Like, I I know you, it exists. You need I need to do that. Yeah. Like, I, my actual Australian wrestling history is actually pretty slim. Like, a- anything that I've sort of learnt, like, as far as Australian stuff is from general kind of, you know, talk and stuff. Right. And also what Joel has told me, because he's like a complete historian you know, yeah, when, but when it, it comes to it, it really wasn't when when Jim Barnett was over there, it had it had real serious money behind it. Yeah, it really? wasn't all it wasn't a local Australian promotion. Yeah. It was all of the biggest stars in the world came over, and the best paying territory at the time was Australia, and that was through Jim Barnett. So, if I was to recommend any wrestling history to you, yeah. That's what you want to read up on, yeah. and, and there's a lot of it available out there. That, so that's awesome. Check I, it out. I'm going to have to dig back through it to give to give you an idea of context. I never saw like a wrestling ring in real life, or even saw a wrestling match until the year 2000, when I was like 18, 19, when WWE came to Melbourne, and me and my friends flew across to watch it. I I never saw an independent wrestling match. Until I was like thirty, you know, because I mean? yeah, like, it but just that, wasn't on the radar the, like at all. So it's it's crazy to hear about these huge things that used to happen, and I hear about like the festival hall shows 
and all this stuff there. There's so much to learn about. It's it's overwhelming a little bit. You know, but that's a gift of wrestling, just like anything else, whether it's, you know, my son is into anime or we're, me and my wife are in the rock and metal. And, uh-huh. you know, I've always been a big mark for cartoons and this and that. The cool thing is with the internet, the way it is, there's, you can go find this fucking history. Yeah. And Australia, Australia has a very deep history mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to pro wrestling that, Unless you dig, you would just think that was like a spot show that you might get once every few years from the WWF or whatever. But there was a real serious big time promotion. It was it was WCW is what it was called. Yeah, wow. uh, it wasn't it wasn't the version that we would know with the Monday Night Wars or whatever. But Jim Barnett ran it, and the biggest stars in pro wrestling they came to Australia, and their other stop for huge money was Hawaii at the time. But yeah, read up on it. It's it's real, really, really cool shit. That's super interesting. Have you ever been to Australia? No, I haven't. I got a friend that uh, lives over there that trained at the Malenko School of Wrestling back in the early nineties. Uh, his name is John Saru. He was a uh, Vulcan on the uh, Australian version. Yes, of yes, yes. He's very famous yeah. when they were. They were yeah, and he was yeah. he was featured in one of the James Bond movies. But he trained at the same time as the Shane brothers and. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Chad Collier, Jeremy Lopez, Tony Mom, Luke, all those guys, he was in that class. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, the gladiators thing was huge. He was definitely the most popular gladiator. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was so good looking. Yeah. Dude. He was this jacked up brother yeah. with braids, yeah. and, and he had the cool, uh, what wouldn't be an accent to you, but it is an accent to me. He just, just cool guy, and, yeah. and was he, sh- he should have been a star. So I'm glad, you know, the first time I met him, I'm like, this guy's fucking got it. And I don't remember if he was good or bad uh, wrestling-wise, but he was so green at that time that any judgment wouldn't have been fair. Even if I'd have said, you're the greatest, he wouldn't have been the greatest. He was, it was that he went back home uh, very shortly after training at the Malenko School of Wrestling. Right, right, exactly. Um, so was that his goal? He came over there specifically to train? Because he always struck me as like, you know, an athlete's athlete kind of thing. Uh, so he was no, just he like... No, he came here to train. Yeah, at the okay. So he, he, he was trying specific, out to be a for a long time. It was, yeah. him, it was him and another guy, I can't remember his name, that, that came from Australia to train, uh, you know, under Malenko School of Wrestling. Yeah. And again, at the time, you know, you would have, you know, Professor Malenko, but Dean would be involved, Jody a little bit, and then Jeff Bradley, which ended up being a fantastic wrestler, but just mentally was never going to make it at the level here. But I think he toured Australia too. He was he was very Bruiser Brody looking badass guy. Yeah. Uh, but John Saru was a big you know big physical yeah. dude, so that was a good guy to train him on how to work that style. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Speaking about the. We mentioned like the hardcore stuff and the bit more violent stuff and the stuff you're booking. You talk about Nick Gage and, and that coming in, and obviously where you would end up with with ICW No Holds Barred. How does your how far back does your history with actual death matches go? Um, did you used to book that kind of stuff, or it wasn't until ICW, or how did that all happen? No, I, I booked. You know, I, I used the name IPW Hardcore Wrestling because I was you know at the time was trying to get the attention of the hardcore was hot. You know, and, and I had Hack Myers, I had Dudley Dudley, I had Abdul the Butcher, I had New Jack, I had all these guys, and it was like, I would I would put the hardcore matches in really, really, really violent and bloody situations, but the wrestling side of it was, uh, 
was even stronger, whether it was Scoot Andrews, Billy Fives, AJ Styles, uh, Mike Sullivan, uh, Navy Seal, all those guys I had the most over-the-top hardcore in Florida at the time yeah. and the most over-the-top what would be considered modern style now. But, you know, Scoot Andrews and, and, and Scoot, yeah. Mike Sullivan and Billy Fies and Buck Gordon, man, that they were, they were considered very, 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 very small. Yeah, well, and if WWE or uh, WCW used them at the time, they would just job them out. They'd squash them, yeah. throw them a bullshit payday and never do nothing with them. Uh, if they had came along now, yeah. all of those guys were huge stars, huge yeah. stars. Especially Scoot fucking money. Absolutely. Scooter at, at Expect the Unexpected, I was like, He's Jesus. Because I saw him on ICW No Holds Barred, and then it was like, you see him at Expect the Unexpected, and you're like, wow, this guy is something. He's only 55 years old. It's amazing. He had a pair of trunks, knee pads. Yeah. He had trunks, knee pads, and boots, yeah. and looked like a million dollars. And then performed like a guy that has been doing this Every night of the week for thirty years. He had the best body on the show. You know what I mean? He's he looked like, like a million, million bucks. Million bucks. Like I was like, Scoot yeah. is killing the game right now. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. His his wife was my uh, son's math teacher, and his daughters were on the same cheer team as my daughter. So we have an incredible history. But yeah. uh, he was the guy that I would put against when I bring in an AJ Styles. Scoot was the measuring stick. Yeah. When I bring in Chris, I bring in Chris Daniels. He'd sleep on Scoot's couch and they'd go tear the fucking house down for me. Yeah. You know, it, that, that, that was how it worked back then. And uh, I look back at that and realize I didn't quite realize how I knew it was a big deal at the time. I really did. Yeah. But I also knew we were in Florida and these fucking idiots don't know how to spread the word and they don't know how to create buzz. So trying to create it with smoke and mirrors and real talent just went nowhere other than out of the state. But I wasn't running out of the state. So. Yeah. It meant nothing other than when I would send uh, Scoot, Roderick Strong, Cedric Strong, Justice, the Shane Brothers, Jet Jaguar. Uh, they, they would get like a hero's reception when they come into these shows more than they were working across the street from their fucking house because these people don't get it down here. Yeah. You know, they love wrestling, but they don't understand the, the creating of buzz, yeah. you know? Exactly. Just really localized as far as like their focus yes. goes, yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll support you. Yeah. They just ain't gonna do nothing to make you look any bigger. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um it, yeah, it must it must be crazy for you now doing like the the hard yards, old school promoting and then seeing all the tools available now and being like what it could have been, you know, if it was years later. Like yeah. you said, Scoot, you know, if it was Scoot today or whatever, it'd be a huge starts kind of thing. It's almost like the entire Everything could have been more, but I mean, it had to pave the way to where it was going to get, I guess. <laughs> but, but well, let's be honest now, though, too. We were living a different lifestyle back then. Yeah, that's true. So all the good uh, that that social media and instant gratification could do, yeah, there's lots of bad too. Yeah, because no, we, were fuck, we were raising fucking hell. We were. Yeah. It, it was. We did. There wasn't money, but we were on TV in Tampa. We were on weekly radio. We were all, back then, print shit meant something. Yeah. And we were all over the Tribune and St. Pete Times. Uh, we, we had local credibility, and we had status that we could walk into certain places and be treated like stars. Money money didn't mean anything, which, thank God, because we didn't fucking have any. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But the same 
like interviews, matches, segments, skits, all that shit that could have got over a lot of the guys. The other side of it probably could have buried all of us because it, it's just a different world than it yeah. is now, man. There is, you know. And it was awesome, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It should still be that way. Who joins a rock band to not fucking go crazy? Who goes into professional wrestling or the circus to fucking, I mean, what are you doing this for? Yeah, exactly. I, I, Hey, did I ever, as a kid, I found Kiss in 1977. I found Cheap Trick in, like, 78. Are you a Speedwagon shortly after? I looked at those guys, and I seen the fucking girls, and I seen the party, and I seen everything else. I said, that's what the fuck I want to do, but I'll never do it because I'll never leave here. So to find my way in the pro wrestling, which is even filthier, why I am here. Yeah. It's what I'm fucking here for. It's it's funny that you say that. There was an interview on the news just the other day with like Noel Gallagher from Oasis and he's there, you know, he's yeah. still rocking the thing. And he was talking about being a rock star. He was like, Man, we were bigger than the fucking Beatles and he's he's like like, you know, he's like Mick Jagger's a pussy. He's still saying all this stuff. He goes, What do you expect me to say? I'm a fucking rock star. And he's like, he's No he's like, Nobody's a rock star anymore. He goes, I'm the last one. Oh. Like and I was like, You're fucking awesome. <laughs> And he's not wrong. Yeah. No Gallagher, if he if he was pulling the shit now that he was twenty years ago, that that he be would canceled. be canceled yeah, and be... left for fucking dead immediately. Yeah. Being irrelevant sometimes when you're an old school guy uh, is is a blessing because you don't want people looking or listening or going back and trying to find quotes. You know, Axel Rose. Uh, Noel Gallagher, all of them, they say shit that's fucking crazy because yeah. they're insulated rock stars that don't know what the real world's going on, but they like to think they do when they fucking run their mouths. But good luck on my Twitter, Facebook, finding anything. Nobody knows what political affiliation. Nobody knows my religion. Nobody knows anything about me other than I like Kiss. I love fucking wrestling. I love Star Wars, and I'm pretty fucking partial to chicken wings too. <laughs> <laughs> that's it and uh, you know I, I think rocks you know provided nobody's getting hurt but like rock stars and wrestling and stuff like that like we watch them and they capture the hearts and minds of people because they're supposed to be characters you know what I mean they're supposed to be bigger than that and when you're seeing behind it and some, some, sometimes you don't like to see what's behind the curtain you know? what are they going to do with this new uh, I went and saw the new Top Gun movie on Sunday which, oh yeah by how the was way, it how fucking great is that movie? Did you see it? Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I tell you it, what, Scientology it, it, is obviously paying off if you can look that good at it, fucking his art. It looks exactly the same. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I don't, I'm not a Tom Cruise guy, but it's a great movie. But they also showed the uh, trailer for the new Elvis movie coming out. You want, well, I don't like Elvis's music. I, that's a fucking rock star, man. Yeah. I mean, he has just everything good and bad about rock and roll. Yeah. And I hope this movie captures it. The trailer looks like it does. Really? It really does. Who, who's in it? Yeah, you know who, who's it looks Elvis? like it does. Who's no, uh... it, 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 Yeah, I think, but I think it covers like the whole, the whole career from the, the rise till the end. Yeah. And it looks like I said, I don't, I don't give a shit about him. Yeah. But you know, it, it, this might be a, a, a weird segue, but, I'm seeing Ric Flair's got that su supposed last match that's coming up or whatever, and I'm going, you know, could somebody just give him the money to not wrestle so we could, you know, I like the idea of the uh, of what I remember Ric Flair as. Anyway, yeah. 
you know, his, his top WCW or NWA run, his early WWF run with the Royal Rumble and all this shit. But this guy's so fucking broke and sad that, that he, he's going to keep pouring himself out because he owes five ex-wives. He owns the IRS. He owes everybody. It's just pathetic that this whole legacy is being flushed on the toilet. And I don't, I don't want to see it. I love Ric Flair as a wrestling character, as a person. I'm pretty sure he's a level of scumbag that uh, my buddy Mike from High Spots, uh, Carrie from Ring of Honor, and anybody else that's ever done business with him. We're going to be hearing horror stories about what Ric Flair pulls on these fuckers before this is all said and done. I guarantee it. I think um, when Ric Flair passes away eventually, there'll be shit said that'll be will blow people's minds. You know, like it's already uh, it's already said. People yeah. just don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I'm not again. I'm not over here to out him. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm old school um, military. I'm old school wrestling. I'm old school fucking. You know, Upper Peninsula, Michigan. I don't ride on the boys, but. You can act like such a shit bag and then try to keep coming out publicly and saying, Hey, I'm not a shit bag. Just shut the fuck up. <laughs> if everybody's not ra- if everybody's not ratting you out, just shut up. Just keep it puts your, everybody keep in the spot down. to constantly Right? Am I wrong? <laughs> no. You know? Don't make everybody have to defend you. Shut your face. You're trash. You know, uh, it's okay. Yeah. We we need we need garbage. You know, we need bad people. They're entertaining too. I like to watch bad people. <laughs> exactly. Well, they, they are. Like, uh, I mean, that's a perfect example, right? Like, I think uh, it was on Dark Side of the Ring. They had said some things. And who was it that somebody tried to defend him but then ended up sort of getting themselves in trouble a bit? And it's like, he's just trying to Tommy. defend him. It was Tommy Dreamer. Tommy. And he's just trying to defend his friend or whatever. You know, he's like, looks up to him and stuff. And it's like, you don't need to do that. Like he's put himself in that position. It's not your place. You know what I mean? Like, and you don't want to see. But that wasn't fair to Tommy either, but you got to also be a little aware of what's going on and what used to be funny, uh, telling stories about Ric Flair or whatever that those stories ain't ain't cool or funny no more. So don't tell him. Yeah, exactly. Don't tell him. It's not, it's not, you don't have to be be against them. Just don't tell them. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like the, we live in a very different world now and it's probably for the best and that those, you know, those stories can stay in the past and if you want to reminisce, you reminisce yeah. with the right people, but it doesn't need to be on a documentary, you know? No. Because <laughs> you know? And then they felt, they felt like they got sabotaged, these guys, Tommy and, and a few others, where it's like, well, he was taken out of context. Well, you should have been able to pick up on where the fuck this was going. Yeah. You know, this, this it's... The show's called what The Dark Side of the Ring, brother. <laughs> you know, it's like, we know what this is. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, it's, you know, if, if he has to chase the payday and they're willing to give it to him, and uh, I'm guessing it'll be very, very little of anything, and they'll be bleeding buckets, and they'll try to cover the whole thing. Just actually, it was in Australia when Hulk and uh, Ric Flair did their shit over there. Uh, I think it was a Jeff Jarrett tour or something he put together that they bled buckets to it, nothing. Oh, really? And I'm guessing this will be about the same, but look that match up. It's out there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's a spectacle. But uh, let's uh, let's segue away from the past then, and let's talk about the future because you, you brought up a real good point. The, 
the talent in independent wrestling at the moment is the most like buoyant it's ever been. There's so many options. There's so many like talented people becoming talented and like, you know, developing so quickly. And nobody's putting, in my opinion, a better spotlight on that than the struggles with Expect the Unexpected Wrestling. His next show, New History, the tournament to crown the first champion of Expect the Unexpected is coming up. We know the first entrance is uh, Marcus Mathers and the rest is going to be revealed. How are you feeling about that show, buddy? Because it is going to be amazing. I mean, he just hits home runs. There's only been a couple so far. But like you just mentioned, Marcus Mathers, that kid's, he's got something, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he does. And you can feel it with pretty much anybody that walks through the door on those shows. It just, they're special. And if they're not, they're gone. Yeah, you 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 might get a little test and a couple, you know, Struggles has people that he has his eyes on. And just like, just like I did when I was, you know, putting together shows back in the day. And you're not always going to be right. It's just sometimes you're going to hit a home run. Sometimes you're not. And, He's weeding through it really quick, and the the matchups are strong. The nostalgia is strong. Uh, the building was – I love it. Actually, I don't. I love it once it's got the uh, production kit in there, but now yeah. struggles starting to branch out. I'm starting to wonder how I'm going to keep up with this schedule. I mean, it, <laughs> but it's so much good shit. Yeah. It's so much good shit. It's, it's nuts. It, it's literally nuts. Like I, I struggle to keep up with just watching everything, but it's crazy. He's – right from the beginning cultivated something special just in the way he's positioned it. Because we're talking about a third show now that's coming up and already it's one of the most exciting things on the independence right now. And knowing that like how he builds stories and stuff, right? Like he's, he's got a mind for it. That's really, really impressive. Well, the, I mean the idea that it's, it's even called expect the unexpected and on the second show, they just fucking add homicide and Tony Depp and like it's nothing. Yeah, I mean no, wasn't no even announced. announced. No. There you go, <laughs> NWA I mean, title. The, the, <laughs> no, everybody at home and everybody watching or even live was like, wait a second, what? Yeah. We had no idea that you get a match of that caliber with the best of the past, with the best of the now and the future. I mean. I fucking I love homicide. I do. I just love him, and I think Tony Deppin's got something special. And everybody loves this guy, and he he, he brings some value to any show that he's on. To just have that added when I've already, if I'm a fan and I've already bought a ticket, and you're gonna give me that, I'm fucking hooked. I'm in, you know. And that's the feeling that I've got. And there's a real family atmosphere though too. I mean, struggles girl carries. Uh, Good luck finding anybody more fucking cool than she is. His sister's involved. Fucking Danny's helping out. Edith is helping out. Larry's helping out. I'm there doing what I'm doing. And everybody that walks through the door as far as wrestling talent is so... Whether it's Scoot Andrews being treated like a legend by, again, the, the, the current roster and the cool guys that are hanging around from the past, it was just... It's very special. I look forward to going back. I get excited. Uh, Struggles gives me a lot of leeway. Jesse's the fucking best. I love Jesse. I love him. He he is he is a uh, the guy is just something that you do not come across, whether it's wrestling or any other form of art or sports. Um, 
you're not going to come across too many Jesse's. He's, he's the real deal. I love him. Uh, I got a smile on my face because I don't know if, we're, if this is video or just audio, but it's just audio. Me, but it's just so we don't talk hey, over each other. Hey, he makes me happy, dude. Yeah, you do. He's just a cool kid. Yeah, and he gets it, man. I don't care what the fucking. You could come out with the most ridiculous, outdated reference. He gets all of them. Every single one of them, man. It makes it so easy. I'm just throwing up softballs all night long, you know. And and he and he's cool. He's funny, uh, and he's also a fucking anxious flake like I am. So we pace the floors together before every show. Oh, there you go. I know he thinks the world of you. When I spoke to Jesse, he is. He's like a. It's like a real old soul, I guess, kind of in a way. You know what I mean? Is like. A, like he's not an old guy, but he, he really likes, you know, it, do, it doesn't uh, it doesn't surprise me to hear that, you know, he doesn't miss references and stuff like that because he really, like, pays tribute to everything. Hey. You know what I mean? He just knows it because he loves it. He's him and, and Weapons Master Ryan with uh, ICW No Holds Barred. Mm-hmm. I, I literally love these guys. Yeah. They, they are, they're like the, the, the lifeblood behind, you know, there's so many mittens, struggles uh, all of their family that pitches in edith is just a, a workhorse danny is a, a a primitive fucking savage there's so many people that are involved in making this thing work and it's i get to swoop in like a uh, cool old guy you know right before the show starts and get out there after it's over but man it's so special and fun every time and truthfully i'd be bullshitting anybody i i am I don't want to say scared, but every single show, I can't believe what's happening in front of me. I truly can't believe it. Mm-hmm. It's that shocking. Yeah, and you can um, hear that in your voice, which which lends to it, which is yeah, awful. Have you ever seen Schlack in person? Uh, I I have not seen Schlack wrestle. I've seen him in my computer screen when I've spoken no, to him, and no, I've no, seen no, him on the thing, but, but never in real life, not yet. No, Schlack in front of you. And, and cruel in front of you, uh, and all these other guys in the ring, but they are they're 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 not like anything you'll ever see or experience in your life. They're they're different. They're individuals. They are fucking stars. Uh, the only thing that holds them down is 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 fear from others. Schlack should be on our TV sh- uh, screens or movie screens or magazines every day. He's he is a one of a kind fucking total freak show athlete, guitarist, tattoo artist, fucking bloodbath maniac and uh cruel he is probably one of the best looking gigantic jacked up fucking maniacs you'll ever meet. And that's just two of these guys on yeah. the roster. Yeah, exactly. Ira Masha Danny's a fucking lunatic. I mean, I've watched his shoulder get popped in the place in front of me, begging him to stop doing what the fuck he's doing, and then he's throwing himself off the balconies. He's there's something wrong with the guy. That's why I'm there. <laughs> I lo- I love that I got to hear a, there's something wrong with the guy because that's a go to on commentary and it always pops me. But you're 100 percent correct. They're all sure. fucking maniacs. And when you're sitting it's in the drop. bloodshed and they're fucking coming off the the top of things onto tables and yeah. throw flaming things and stuff. It just, you must just be shocked. <laughs> no, it, it's shocking. And, and I consider myself tough. Yeah. I really do. I mean, I, 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 I love Brandon Kirk. I love Casey a hell of a fucking lot more. 
Uh, and she is a true, like, legitimate star on the rise. Uh, what Danny is doing with her and what the uh, Deathmatch community is is uh, rallying behind this deal. It's 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 real and it's something special. And uh, I don't think it can be ruined. It's just a matter of how how do we how do we run this? How long does it go? How do we finish it? Because it is it's very very exciting. Uh, what's happening with her? Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's that grassroots hearts and minds yes. like real thing. It's that's real, happening. man. It's happening. And you know when you can watch. A, a wrestler or whatever, and actually be, you know, especially in death matches, I'd be legitimately concerned for them and things like that. That's special. Like that feeling that you said you watch them, you you know these people. And so every time you do this, you watch them essentially sort of take their lives in their own hands. That's and scary. Um, it's, it's scary. I went and saw um, death match down under for the first time. They're obviously on the other side of Australia. And I've been speaking to these guys, you know, since they started, you know, and, and done interviews with them. And I watched, Callum Butcher versus Alex Cologne, two guys I'd count as friends, um, wrestle in what was an absolute crazy death match. And it, it hits different when when it's like that, when it's that personal. You know, I've seen death matches before, Japan, things like that. But when you, like, know the people, like, it, it feels different and it's concerning <laughs> and, like, you know, you're you're very like the adrenaline rush of it when it's all over and everybody's okay is like absolutely unbelievable. And if a wrestler on your screen can give you that feeling just when you watch them, that that's something special. And I feel like that's something that Casey brings. And I feel like a lot of the ICW no holds barred roster can bring as well. Yeah. The whole roster. I mean, I mean, Dale Patrick's right now and Tommy Vendetta I'm a big Justin Kyle guy. I, I fucking love him. Yeah. I love Isaiah Broner. Uh, it's just, you know, Atticus has showed back up. Mm-hmm. The fucking Duke, John Wayne Murdoch. I mean, we, the, these shows are so loaded every single time. I, I feel like I'm, you know, I like to tell Danny how I feel about the lineups and shit. And I don't want to feel like I'm blowing smoke up his ass, and he knows I won't, but... Man, how much fucking better can these shows be? I mean, I I can't come up with better. You know, it's just look. As a matter of fact, they're so loaded that sometimes you could pick out. Well, hey, we're so and so. Man, there's only so much fucking room. Yeah, exactly right. You know, there's only so much room. Some people want to see new guys debuting. Well, that means old guys not yeah. being on the card. You know, and the girls are being more implemented now, and they're fucking killing it. Yeah. So there is no argument, even if you're a, a old fucking grumpy motherfucker like me. You know, <laughs> when 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 Masha and, and and you know Casey go out there and just, and you know what, I can't. Randy, Randy West, oh, Randy West, what yep. he's done and is coming back. The girls are for fucking real. Yeah. Mickey and as real as it gets. Attica well. was so much it. funny. Mickey Knuckles, uh, you couldn't pay me enough money to get in there with because she's fucking scary. She's tough. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but there's so much of that. It, it, there's just, you know, you could just roll through. I'm a huge Eric Ryan guy. Huge. Good luck finding better than me. You know, I, I, I think he's the best of the best. I think he's the ace. Uh, but, but to compare him to Murdoch, the, 
it's that close. You know, it's that fucking close. And I guess it's just my personal uh, feelings. And it could switch tomorrow. You know, well, for a, these for guys a long are... time, it, it did for me with Eric Ryan. For a, for a long time, I was a, maybe a little bit critical and I didn't quite get it. I felt like um, there was something, that, like never ring work. Like I just felt like there was something, you know, I don't know, in mm-hmm. his eyes or whatever, or not believable that I didn't quite click with. And I was like, who mm-hmm. is Eric Ryan? But that could have been the injury because I feel like since he went out and and dealt with what he had to deal with and since he came back i feel like that weekend you know the match with john and with with joel like it felt like a different guy i felt like there was a fire there and i was like okay now i'm now i'm starting to pick up on it you know maybe sometimes with these guys i don't know i'm not him i didn't talk to him about it but the motivation and and the where, where are we going what's the what's the direction what's where He's the guy. He's the ace. He's the fucking champ. Uh, maybe that's what he needed. Because yeah. this fucking guy, hey, he's getting it done. Yeah, He is getting it done at a much, much higher level. And his dedication to what he puts into it. What you guys see in the ring or outside the ring is just a small portion. Small portion of what these guys go through as far as preparation for the... Uh, just everything, the implements of destruction that you see. Yeah. Uh, it don't just happen. No. You know, they, they, they're, they're hundred percent involved. Uh, there's some of the most creative people that I know. Uh, there are some of the more, uh, mentally disturbed people that I know too, <laughs> but you know, I mean, we wouldn't be doing this if we were right, whatever right is, there is no right anymore, you know, but to try to act like that is fucking immature, you know? So, uh, thank God I have this. Thank God I have them and they have me and they have it to blow off that steam, man. How lucky are we? I yeah. mean, for real. It's crazy, man. The amount of dedication it takes to do what they do, not just like aftercare after doing something like a death match, but then the preparation and going towards it, general physical care, the travel they go through. Yeah. I've had messages from uh, Neil Diamond Cutter is a, is a friend of mine and he'll be like, on a bus or something, like on a Greyhound bus and he's on it for six hours or in a car, like crammed in there with a bunch of people, like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm bored and I'm <laughs> I'm going to go crazy because the heat's on and I can't get it turned off or whatever. And I'm just like, man, that'd be, it's just so much. Yeah, you know? yeah, he'll, he'll jump on a goddamn Greyhound and go, you know, whatever he's got to do to get to that town. It's, yeah, you know, but that's that's a tough life, man. That yeah. it's, there ain't enough money out there to, uh, you know, whether you're carpooling or, whether you're in a position where the promoter's willing to fly you in or whatever, but it's, you know, a lot of people think they're smart to the business now and they think they're going to hold promoters accountable and, well, fuck, you better fly them in. You know, do you think your local, like your local top club or bar, you think they're bringing in a local band from down the road or do you think they're flying in a fucking local band from, you know, 100 miles away? Listen, dude. I don't care what business you're in, no matter how much I love you and respect you, there ain't enough money at the indie level to be doing that. So you pay your dues and you either have the means to make this shit happen or you're fucked. Yeah. That's just the way it is. That That's not a knock to anybody going, hey, I deserve travel. That's great. A guy down the road that can walk here will do what you're going to do. You know, so it, it's, it's a tough spot for the talent to be in, but... There's a lot of that right now. There's young guys that have 
no value uh, as far as name, trying to make demands as far as talent, uh, travel, and all that. Good luck, man. They'll, they'll, they're they're going to pay for – if they're going to pay real money, they'll bring in a marquee act. So be willing to pay your fucking dues that are in your, you know, the opportunity to be the one getting flown in. It's it's like anything, right? Like I, I told you earlier, like I was in a band for 10 years. We used to tour and do things like that. Like, And then mm-hmm. there, there was a time when we were lucky enough, you know, the band Kitty from doing gigs and stuff like that would say play um, pay for our flights and our recom and our hire cars while we were in different cities and stuff. But then we would, you know, pay our own way and stuff. And then there was other tours where we just paid for it all on the back of ourselves because we were trying to make it. We're trying to grind it. We know it takes an it takes an investment, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And if me you, and the Shanes when we'd go do, we'd go do like um, whether it's me and the Shanes or the, you know the Roderick and Cedric Strong or Jet Jaguar or whatever we we'd go up and we get a local guy payday and we we split gas, uh, we'd split a hotel or maybe. You know, Zandig would be cool enough to get us a room and there'd be three or four of us piled in there. But that was part of paying your fucking dues. And it was also fun and exciting. Yeah, it's also the fun part. Uh, like, <laughs> you, know, but, but, you know, but people be like, oh, you're a mark. You're paying your own travel. I'm like, who the fuck am I? Are you kidding me? And when we'd go up there, we'd go to Pro Wrestling Illustrated Studios and offices. We'd go visit other promotions. Uh, you know, we, we would just do all this cool shit. And it was like, you know, who would I have been to go, especially when CZW's going, hey, come on up, you and the Shane brothers against the Haas brothers uh, in Jersey. Well, what am I going to say? Fuck you. There's a, probably a hundred tag teams in the tri-state area at the time that would have came over just for the regular payday. No trans, no hotel, because they live there. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that, that, to me, that's a part of the business that uh, – while every while a lot of these guys are making money and some were making it earlier than expected, this isn't this isn't geared for everybody to make a fortune off it. Pay your fucking dues, yeah. you know, and it'll weed out the strong or weed out the weak, I should say, and keep the strong. But it's a, the idea uh, that indie promoters are walking out there with pocketfuls of money is fucking silly. Most shows, like, again, Pro Wrestling Revolver with that six-man the other night, uh, I've used an abacus, a calculator, uh, you know, fucking every form of technology I could. I, Unless they're, like, robbing banks, I don't know how they could possibly have gotten out of that show without losing everything they fucking own. Yeah. That was one match. It, sell out the show, and it doesn't equal what the payroll would have been for that match. So there's other things going on. So if I'm murdered tomorrow and and phone floating in Tampa Bay, yeah, it's because of this interview and you're to blame. Uh, so, well, I sorry. apologize for that in advance. Hopefully, that's not the case. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I guess I your apology in advance. <laughs> exactly. I'll be. Uh, I'll read a eulogy for you at the funeral. But um, yeah. but uh, I guess as well, that's also you know promoters like you say that six man or whatever. We don't all the way know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe there's other deals. Maybe they've you know. There's somebody they've gone, hey, we'll, you know, read you out at halftime or whatever. Do you want to sponsor this match, kid in towards it? You know, people being creative to, like, build bigger lineups and stuff. But I think talent, like, you don't you don't get into something like wrestling or being in a band or whatever if you're not a fan of it. Because you need to, like, 
you're going to pay money and you're going to... Sp- I spent way more money being in a band than it ever paid for me. Of but course, the life experience but- I got for like 10 years was why I was invested in it. And then if it ever blow blow up, that was great. And I've got albums I can look back on. I've got fun memories with yeah. my friends. And I got to do all this amazing shit that not a lot of people get to do. And and I feel like that's it for wrestlers as well, you know? Um, yeah. Surely they'll get it's to a point where that's shit, it. man. Yeah, Music, exactly. acting, yeah. wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you if, know, if you can blow up beyond that, that's great. But that's a one in a million. That's not a, that's not a guarantee. Yeah, you got you know? lucky. I've been on the fringe forever. I mean, again, I've been... I've been doing this for 31 years because of the internet and Danny keeping me relevant. People know who I am now, but I was doing Evolve shows. I mean, to look back at the lineups of these shows I was calling is completely fucking insane. I mean, from Zack Sabre Jr. and Matt Riddle and Ricochet and Chris Hero and uh, Gargano and Swan and on and on and on and on. I mean, the best of the best. Will Osprey. Yeah. You know, in fucking or- New Orleans, I was calling Will Osprey against Matt Riddle, for God's sake. Uh, you know, and it meant nothing. You know, it was a good memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love wrestling, so I appreciate what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as like, hey, I'm going to get a job, nobody gives a fuck, man. You know, it, people drive. Uh, there's wrestlers out there right now internationally that can drive themselves to shows, mm-hmm. uh, but their ride is a, a commentator, so they both get booked. It's not me. I'm a 52-year-old man in fucking Tampa, Florida. I know wrestling inside out, uh, pure wrestling, whatever you want to call technical, old school, or hardcore deathmatch shit. Or if I got Lenny, I could sit there and you know, give him a breather during Dragon Gate matches. As long as I get to see Hollywood soccer at Chikura, I don't, I don't care what the fuck is going on. You know, so I, 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 I can do all that, and I don't need to lobby for it because Danny puts me at that deal. But uh, there's been others that have had the opportunity and should have and decided not to because, again, I'm difficult, but whatever. <laughs> I like doing things my way. Yeah. Exactly right, and that's all part of it. That's part of the vibe that's created. So, yeah, I, I unless, it, unless it's the way I want to do it, I don't want to do it. I mean, it's that why simple. would you? It seems to me that you've probably seen everything this business has to offer. So there becomes a certain point with anything that you do, be it you know commentary, wrestling, band, podcasting, whatever. It needs to be fun, and it needs to be. Uh, like an enjoyable sort of escape from the day-to-day because if it starts to become the same mundane shit as like your shoot job or your day-to-day, then why are you even doing it? Because then it's not your passion anymore. Then you're just killing yourself, you know? So No, you're right. You're right. I I was talking to my buddy. um, I'm I'm not sure if you know Stu Allen from over in England. He used to wrestle as a dominator, but he has a really successful podcast deal, but he's, He's very old school, very big, big fucking guy. Uh-huh. I was surrounding himself with like the whole roster looked like demolition and the powers of pain and road warriors. <laughs> so to one, but <laughs> he just he, but he, but it's always worked. He, uh, he's always ran go, good shows in England. He was always tied in with uh, Simon Beasley from you know from Heavy Metal Magazine and just badass fucking real guys yeah. like men. You know, and they knew what it drew money. But when I talk to him, we sound like we're I, uh, we sound like we're 150 years old. Yeah, you know I mean, like I don't know. Maybe that's even unfair because, as far as I'm concerned, that 
the people that are out there trying to put on real, what I think are real wrestling shows, that to me, they seem to be succeeding. You know, I want bad guys. Yeah. I, want, I want the bad guys to be real bad guys. Like, the best example I can give, as a guy totally, completely uninvolved, I don't watch, I, I read everything, but I don't watch much of anything. Uh, there is nothing more old school wrestling, uh, wrestling 101. There's nothing close to MJF, and he is the oddest act in professional wrestling right now. All he's doing is being a fucking great heel. That's it. There's, it's, 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 blow, it's blowing people out of the water. They, they can't believe that this bad guy is saying bad guy things. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Is this real? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He said something mean. This has got to be. Oh, what? What, what is Everybody's up in arms. And then they're attacking fans that believe it's real. Uh, like, it'd be like going to the see Santa Claus at the mall and attacking families and kids because they believe. How dare, how dare you believe the thing you're in line is something that you want to have fun and believe? They, they can't believe it. But the reason they're most offended is they don't know if it's real or not. They don't know. Yeah. It drives them crazy. It, 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 it's twisting. Their, they're already frazzled, soft, uninvolved brains. They're not part of the wrestling business. They're customers. If you're lucky, they're customers. Most of them are still in streams, uh, are not buying tickets, are not buying merchandise, and then they're sitting back thinking they're deciding what people want to see. They're wrong. They're 100% wrong. MJF is a classic, old-school territory fucking heel, and he's the hottest act in professional wrestling. Other than Cody Rhodes, who walked away from AEW as the most hated in a wrong way with go-away-fuck-you heat, he walks into the WWE as the biggest act in professional wrestling. So who's doing it right? Who's doing it wrong? Yeah. What What do you think it is about the suspension of disbelief in wrestling that some people don't get? Like, I personally, you know, you, you can have opinions and be like, I, you know, oh, this is definitely whatever. But I, it doesn't bother me. I want to see it play out, and I love getting worked and I, I love not knowing things, but some people cannot handle it. And I'm like, so why do you like this? Because they, the, they're yeah. not part of it. Yeah. They're, they're drawn to it. They're drawn to it, but they can't relate to these cool motherfuckers, girls and guys. And, and they don't understand any, they've never been punched in the face. They've never fucked the hot girl. They've never done any of that shit. <laughs> And, yeah. and they're watching and they hate it and they, they, they're jealous and they're desperate to believe it's all a fraud. They're desperate to believe it's all fake. And when they question the idea and they start to believe something, they resent it. They hate it. They don't understand it. And they demand answers. It's a fucking show. I don't, I don't write Dick Wolf after watching a goddamn, you know, fucking law and order CSI demanding what the real story is. I enjoy the show. And if I don't like it, I turn it off and I watch fucking filthy porn. You know, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't take much to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there might be a, but Dick I do Wolf, like it. Dick Wolf credit roll after tomorrow when you're found in the fucking Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah. 
special <laughs> victims unit, Ronnie episode. Hey, I'm a big Mariska Haggerty fan. She's. Do you like Do you like special victims unit? Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. It's I, I you can turn it on. There's a channel it. like here that like on on Foxtel, which is yeah, our cable. That's she, Law but, and Order all the time. Like you can just get on an episode at any time. My wife is top secret into Chris Maloney, and I don't know if she knows if I know it or not. Yeah. And everybody in the world's in the Mariska Haggerty. I mean, she's she's Jane Mansfield's daughter. For God's sake, are you kidding me? <laughs> Seriously, yeah. have you ever seen Jane Mansfield? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yes, everybody has. <laughs> That has the sense to go search up Jane Mansfield. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. <laughs> this is this, we're getting off the rails now. Now we're getting into Sorry. <laughs> Mansfield. Sorry. I apologize. Anyway, I can pull it back. I could. I could. I could, mm-hmm. I could segue us back to wrestling somehow. I, I'm not really sure how I'm going to do it, but I'm, I'm going to get us there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think you're 100 right. I think sometimes people are like afraid of getting worked and they, they want to be like the knowledgeable fan and they want to be able to say, told you so to everybody. I, I love it, man. I, I don't want to know. I love not knowing it's real. I love when people are really like, heels, uh, like MJF is a heel all the time. Like any time on social media and stuff, he's not like, you know, trying to do stuff. I mean, I do a wrestling podcast and I love getting to know these people and things like that. But, you know, uh, he would never come on a show like this you know what i mean like it, it, what would he have to say no, he, he he's come a on. huge star i mean he did with struggles but even then he was a heel on that and that was like back in the day you know before AEW and all that he was still being a dick on that show because he was that committed to it right from the beginning yeah. and so maybe yeah, when you talk to anybody that's met him yeah. when you talk to anybody that's met him uh he's the first one in the building he shakes everybody's hand in the building. He shakes their hand at the end of the night, thanking the lowest level production guy for helping put the show on. This guy understands that on the way up, he's going to be meeting some of the same motherfuckers on the way down if that ever happens. And he happens to be ultra talented. He's tall. He's in great shape. And he has unbelievable exposure. And he has the power of the WWE's checkbook being wide open saying when you're ready, come on over. He's going to be one of the, if he sticks with it, he'll be one of the biggest stars of this generation because he's, you know, and anybody said, well, he'll go to WWE and he'll be wasted. Well, I'm looking at Cody, who nobody gave a flying fuck about the entire time he was in WWE. He's, I honestly, I can't believe how big of a star he is right now. I can't believe it. You know, and, and, and anybody that jumps from there with that kind of steam. Uh, I think that the machine will get behind him in WWE and then it's up to you and Cody's. I mean, nobody could do it better. And I'm not a Cody Rhodes fan either. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of his work in the ring. Uh, not that I'm against it by any means. He's, he's, he's a good wrestler. Uh, he's a genius as far as his kids, uh, character, and his persona behind the scenes. So MJF, I think, could put Cody to shame. I, I think MJF could be, if he was to jump uh, headlining WrestleMania within the next few years, I don't think that's a stretch. It'd be wild. Cody, and I, I mean, MJF was obviously close with Cody and like learning from him and, and all that kind of stuff. But like, I've met Cody at a couple of like signings and stuff you know, for New Japan and, and things like that. And I remember being there and lining up and signing things. And most of the guys, you know, 
sitting around, whatever, just dressed like normal. Oh, hey, how you going, man? Sign the thing or whatever. Hey, yeah, whatever. Don't give a fuck. Don't want to be there. Cody Rhodes in a suit, smiling, laughing with everybody, yeah. shaking hands. Oh man, it's a politician. Yeah, yeah. He exactly. He sees me there. He's like, "Oh, you got that that hat on? Check this out, bro." Pulls out his own phone. He's showing me like the elite shirt designs before they say. He's mm -hmm. like, "I shouldn't even be showing anybody this." And blah blah. And just smoozing and doing that all the time because he understands it's time to go to work. You know, and yeah, that he never stopped working. No. His time on the Indies and his time internationally was just um, the only person I would put close to the reinventing of themselves like that was Drew McIntyre when he was on the Indies. Drew and the Evolve was fucking money. Yeah. And right. over in ICW, I think Scotland and all that shit. Uh -huh. But but his stuff in Evolve and the way he reinvented himself just like Cody, these guys got it. Yeah. The best thing that ever happened to them at the time was to get released. And uh, I'm watching MJF and I'm hoping that he just got a fat, you know, crazy payoff from AEW to continue on with everything. But his stock is just right. He's young, man. He could do another two, three, four years there and just come in and WWE even hotter, yeah. you know, and, and because of the streaming rights and the network rights and this and that. As long as they keep pumping out this original content the way they do, they're never going away. It's never going to be, you know, what are they, $6 billion? They're putting out the worst fucking wrestling they've ever put out, <laughs> ever. Nobody wants to see it. Yeah. And it's making more money that's ever made. Yeah. You know, exactly. and now they're pushing the McMahons out one after the other other than Vince. It's it's wacko to see what's happening. It's interesting, though. Yeah. It just goes to show, though, like, when you're in that bubble, like, we're obviously, on the internet, it's a very vocal minority, you know? Like, once, it's like the Matrix. Like, when you come out of, like, the Matrix and you breathe air the first time and you're looking around and everybody's wearing, you know, woolen sweaters and the, you're on some spaceship yeah. or whatever. That's what it was like when I was unplugged from the WWE. Like, because I, it was the only wrestling I knew and it was the only thing that mattered and I was, like, obsessed with it. And then when the first, like, cracks in the Matrix started to show and I started seeing, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling matches and Ring of Honor and independent wrestling and stuff, then I, like, woke out of the goo kind of thing and, like, was like, oh, wow, wrestling can be way more than this. But there are a bazillion people in this world that love WWE that don't even know any of that shit exists. And it doesn't no, matter. They're, 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 I don't even know AEW exists, you know? It's just like, this is what I've watched since I was a kid. And this is what I'll always watch, you know? And that's, that's all it is. And they're happy with it. You know, they're stoked. They don't care. Yeah, and like, those, those fans don't understand it and they won't accept it, especially AEW fans. They, they don't understand anything you just said where they don't have these fans that all they know, just like UFC, there is a, a million MMA promotions out there. So, uh -huh. Several big ones, yeah, yeah. very big ones. Mm -hmm. The... They have no clue. Nobody has a clue. Yeah. Nobody. Even even like pretty diehard fans, you got to be in to know that these fringe deals are out there. And it's like, you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was to be able to find the Indies. But uh, maybe it was a curse, too, because to be completely blind and think that you just walk in the WWF or WCW or whatever because uh, you're right place, right time size, attitude, whatever. But, you know, it's not believable. But right now, to me, the opportunity to make money, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. is talking about starting yeah. up a new promotion. 
there's like one or two others that are out there. So uh, all the indie talent that wasn't snatched up by AEW or WWE or the ones that have been released, they're all about to be re-signed again by some other fucking guy that ain't got a clue. Uh, you know, Billy Corgan's pouring money into the NWA to put on shows that you, I, I would love to be there, but I'd be calling matches nobody wants to fucking see. You know, no, nothing against them. I, I can call matches nobody wants to see. I think I could do it pretty well. You know, but... <laughs> People, people might want to see them more, to be fair. Yeah, you know, it's like, I'd rather be calling matches where people are going, I, I, hey, come in here, I think these fucking two guys are about to kill each other. Yeah. You know, and this weird Canadian dude's about to call it while it's <laughs> happening. You know? But but I'll take that any day of the week. Like I, I say, I, the vibe you know, of ICW, man, like when you, when you turn that on and it just looks like some bar or some barn and there's a, everybody around the ring is going crazy. It's just a small intimate. I'm like, I want to be drinking a beer and be ringside, you know, like I used to go to metal shows. Like that's the shit I always look for. And I'm like, and here it but, is with wrestling. But it feels like I've said this before during the shows there where it feels like you're watching something you're not supposed to be watching, you know, like uh, a snuff film but not quite as horrible, you know, just taboo, violent, uh, way over the top violent, but on the flip side, beautiful as far as uh, the, the emotion yeah. and, and the sacrifice and the willingness to do whatever the fuck it takes uh, to elevate yourself amongst the elite. Because everybody's the elite on, on any show Danny books. Unless you're a nostalgia act, uh, if you're on the show, you're you're either one of the best or being looked to be added as one of the best. If you're if you're one of the old school guys coming in to do us a favor, thank you. You know, nice to see you. But but when you're talking about Murdoch and Akira and fucking, uh, you know, Ryan, just all, all of them. You, Neil Diamond Cutter, man, he's fucking. His toughness is just. We don't see this guy a lot either, but I always reference Shane Mercer right along the side of Justin Kyle and my, and my old buddy, Bruce Santee. There Bruce isn't Santee. men like that on wrestling shows right now, man. They're dangerous, big fucking monsters. You know, they just are. They're, you either know how to deal with them or you don't, and, and it means them not getting booked a lot because they're they're scary to all these fucking nerds that are trying to run shows at this level. They um, big big fucking Joe said to me when I, when I spoke to him, he said, "You're not meant to feel safe all the time," and I, I feel like there's that's the the drawer of something like ICW, no holds barred, you know, going to something like that or watching it, you're like, this is fucking dangerous. And then you talk about guys like that, that bring a credibility to it. it that That's what makes it, you know, and we, we, they just announced battle for the tough guys too is going to be coming up soon. And I can't wait to see the murderous row of fucking animals. <laughs> they get into this tournament. Yeah. And big F and Joe was, it's funny you say that because, me and him just hit it off. He's right the best, from, dude. He's awesome. Just, just an animal, and some. We had some mutual friends and whatever. But when I saw that that battle of tough guys announcement, the first name that popped in my head was was Joe. Same. Because he just 
It is, he's, he it. is a, his name is so appropriate. He's such a big fucking guy, yeah. but he's so violent. And his, um, his ability to absorb punishment and to lose probably a concerning amount of blood is amazing. But the respect that I have for him and Joel Bateman, as far as our main overseas contention, these guys are, they're the fucking best, man. And they're so much fun to have around. Eh? Yeah. Forget about how great they are as far as in the deal, behind the scenes, before, after. They're just fucking fun. They're yeah. cool guys. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm absolutely pumped for it, man. I think there's such great things coming for everything you're involved in. I can't wait for... Fuck, we're getting back around to Deathmatch Circus already. The Battle for the yes. Tough Guys is coming back. Joel's going to be back over there. Like It feels like... Very, very soon. Like, I think it's a couple of weeks or something. He'll be back with you guys. I'm sure Joe, Joe will be back. And then, yeah, and then everything with that you guys are building with Expect the Unexpected. I just, I'm so excited for everything that comes, man. And I can't uh, wish you guys enough success with what's going to come for it. Well, we're going to kill it on all that shit. I appreciate you no doubt. Uh, having me on here. I had a lot of fun with you, man. It's We got to do it again, though. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to touch base after, maybe after like Battle for the Tough Guys or whatever. We should uh, catch up and we can talk about the absolute bloodbath that took place over over hey, a couple of days. Right down. Maybe I could shake down some of the guys and say that we'll put them over really big if they give us money. I, that's what I was thinking. There we go. I wasn't even thinking money, but that's fine. And yeah, I, I'll it'd get it be on like that. a it'd be like a friendly form of extortion. Yeah, there we go. Just go, look, we're going like to talk about it. If you want us to really tell people how good you did, a few bucks here, a few bucks there. Just I'm pretty sure money. the exchange rate's okay with Australia and America right now. We can make something happen. We can make something happen. <laughs> I love it. Well, I appreciate it, it brother. I, I appreciate had a lot of you, fun man. tonight, man. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. dude. I, I'm, you, you've been on my list for a while. I guess I really want to speak to, like I said, one of my favorite commentators in the game, hands down. And it was so fun to spend some time with you and reminisce about wrestling. I'll do my homework and learn about some of those shows we we're talking about, and we'll catch up again. Yes, yeah? you got to. Yeah. Just reach out, man. This is cool on the show, but I want to bullshit with you off the show too. Absolutely, you know? I would love that. I would literally love that. That's awesome. Well, everybody out there for the amazing Ron Nemi, for ICW No Holds Barred, and for Expect the Unexpected Wrestling. Remember, it's all about peace love, and pro wrestling. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Faces and Feels is a DIY project created and edited in-house by me, Rafe Houston. You can show your support by following us on Instagram, at FacesFeelsCast, Twitter, at FacesFeelsCast, and Facebook at FacesFeelsCast. Or send us an email with topic suggestions or feedback to facesandfeels at gmail.com and don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Our banger theme is Loose Lips Sink Ships by the Thunder Vipers. Check it out on Spotify. And now hang around for a quick word from some friends of the show. Peace out. My body is a roadmap of pain. Oh! Deathmatchworldwide.com the official online merchandise store that is only for Deathmatch Wrestling. Featuring official t-shirts from No Peace Underground, John Wayne Murdoch, Akira, Madman Pondo, Zona 23, Neil Diamond Cutter, G. Raver, Schlack, Necro Butcher, and many more. 
If you are a deathmatch wrestler, promotion, manager, or platform, and are interested in joining the web store, send us an email to deathmatchworldwide at yahoo.com. Deathmatchworldwide.com for the violent view. Vinyls and Violence, a brand celebrating a love of music and deathmatch wrestling. Follow on Instagram at Vinyls and Violence. Follow on Twitter at Legalized Ranch, and that's Ranch with two H's. And buy the shirts from deathmatchworldwide.com. Vinyls and Violence. I'm pretty sure it's like some weirdo shit like Pokemon or something.